Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ, who is our life, our peace, our joy, yea, our all in all. We thank you that we look forward to the coming of the Lord when we shall be with Him. We know not what we shall be, but we know that we shall be like Him and we shall see Him as He is. We live in a world of change and decay. We live in a time of modern technology. And many of those technologies uh, have improved our lifestyles. Even through technology, we're able to send the gospel to other places. And sometimes we're able to uh, communicate as we uh, have done from time to time by connecting up with others through our computers and phones. But even those fail. But we thank you that the salvation that is found in the Lord Jesus Christ never fails. We thank you that through prayer, our communication with you is always open. And we can come to the throne of grace and obtain mercy and grace and help in those needful times. We ask our God that you would have mercy on the nation in which we live, that you might work either by revival or just a Increase in morality. That it would not be such a wicked place. But it does seem that more and more you're turning us over to our own selves for our own destruction. And yet we continue to pray that we might be delivered from evil and ever be blessed to lead a quiet and a peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. We ask that you would bless us now as we endeavor to study your word that we might have a better understanding and appreciation for your person, for the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
and it is in his name we pray. Amen. We come back to 1 John chapter 2, verse 28. <clears throat> it says, And now, little children, abide in him, that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. Last Lord's Day afternoon, we looked at this Greek word, appear, and I need to make a caveat. Uh, I did correct it toward the end of the, of, of the message, but I kept mispronouncing the word because uh, I was, uh, well, it just, uh, I, I kept calling it uh, 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 Panaruo in a, instead of Fananero. In other words, it should be an F instead of a P. And part of that is because I was also thinking about the next word that we're going to be studying today is uh, that starts with the P, which is Perusia. Uh, but uh, anyway, I kept mispronouncing the word but uh, I got the right meaning and the right uh, uh, interpretation of what the word means. The appearing here is a visible appearing and not some secret manifestation. In other words, it's not talking about Christ uh, appearing to us in a spiritual way, say as we read and study and, and pray. Nor is it some uh, of Christ coming in judgment, as some uh, have want to say and try to say that this appearing had to do with Christ coming in 70 A.D. to destroy Jerusalem. And because of that, I want to, I mean, because of this, uh, I believe, erroneous interpretation, and uh, I want us to look at this word, uh, parousia, which is the word for coming. And I want us to look at how this word is used, like we did the other word, to show that it's not some uh, uh, invisible manifestation, but it is a physical presence of the person and body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let me say this at the outset. We're not giving a full study of the coming of Christ. To do that, we would have to look at a lot of other passages. And particularly, we would have to uh, study a word <clears throat> uh, that has to do with coming and the second coming of the Lord. 
which is the Greek word erchomai. But obviously we do not have time to go into that because it is used some uh, over 660 times in 604 verses. So you can see uh, how how much we would have to go into to study that and a lot of other places as well. I have looked at those in the past and uh, uh, did not take the time to look at them again at this time, but only wanting to focus on these two words that are used in this verse. <clears throat> when it talks about, uh, and now little children abide in Him, that when He shall appear, like I said, we saw that that word appear is a visible manifestation of the human, of a human being. It's not some mystical uh, idea. That when He, that is when our Lord Jesus Christ comes back to this earth again. <clears throat> Obviously, I believe, the context would bear out, he's talking about the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ at the end of the world. Because even in, in chapter 3, just uh, two or three verses after this, he says, uh, we do not know what we shall be, but we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. That's not talking about some destruction in 70 A.D. Now, you remember what we're talking about of 70 A.D., do you not? That is when the Roman army under Titus went in and destroyed Jerusalem. Some over a million people were killed when Jerusalem was destroyed. And we're going to read something about that uh, here shortly. But because the Jewish people rejected the Lord Jesus Christ, He told them that their house would be left desolate. And uh, we're going to read this in a moment. I'm getting ahead, but anyway. He said that not one stone would be left on another with regard to the temple and the temple area there. The temple was one of the one of the wonders of the ancient world. In fact, Titus had given a command not to destroy the temple. It was such a beautiful uh, uh, monument, and and. Uh, massive uh, piece of architecture 
that he did not want it destroyed. But when the army went in and started pillaging the place, uh, it caught on fire. And the Jewish people had, uh, the story goes, had uh, many of them had uh, hid their money in between the uh, the stones. And as it, the building was burning and the, the gold and silver was running out between the cracks, why the, the soldiers tore it down stone by stone uh, to get uh, the money. Beloved, when God judges a nation or a people or an individual, it is a horrible thing. And we can, you, you can think about over a million people being slaughtered. I mean, uh, to read about uh, the history of it, Josephus uh, was uh, uh, recorded a lot of, uh, concerning that. But there were, I believe, if memory serves me correctly, there were three factions of the Jews inside the city of Jerusalem itself. And instead of joining their forces to fight against the enemy, they were actually fighting among themselves to try to get the preeminence over the other two factions. I mean, it was, it was just a horrible scene. And it got so bad, people were eating their own children and uh, cannibalism on many, many levels. But this Perusa, or Perusia, this coming, notice, little children, abide in him that when he shall appear, that is a visible coming of Christ, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. Now we're looking at that word, for coming. I want to go back first of all to Matthew chapter 24. And I'm tempted to read the whole chapter. And I may to if we were doing a full study, we would have to read and study Matthew 24 and 25 because these two chapters are answering the question or the questions that the disciples ask our Lord. But let's start in verse 1. And Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. Now, you have to realize there were several different kinds of several buildings around the temple, Solomon's porch and, and a lot of other places, and they had different buildings to store different uh, grains and, and things of that nature and spices and 
what have you. And even there were some people living in the temple area, some of the priests and so on. And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all those things? Verily I say unto you, There shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. Now, actually, the temple was in the process of building, going on. Uh, let me pause for here for just a moment. Uh, I believe that what I'm looking for is in in John chapter two. Jesus said, uh, "Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up." This is John uh, two nineteen. And then said the Jews, Forty and six years was this temple in building." And wilt thou rear it up in three days? Of course, Christ was talking about his body, but the 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 Greek uh, the the what is going on? They were saying this temple has being is being built. In other words, uh, there were some finishing touches that were not finished. You know, you build a house and you build something and. Uh, you may have it where you can live in it and, and so on, but there's still some things needs to be done. When I built the house that I'm living in, uh, I did the trim work. And uh, it got to the point that the, uh, I, we, we moved in and I said, I'll finish that later. And there's still some trim work some uh, 20-some-odd years later that uh, I never have finished uh, in in the house. And I could say that I'm still building the house, uh, technically, but uh, in reality it's built, and I I doubt I'll ever get around to that because someone stole my my miter saw from me, and uh, actually, uh, well, I won't go into all the details of that. But anyway... uh, so the the temple was not. I mean, there was still some construction going on in the temple, but think about it. Forty six years that that temple was under construction. In other words, it was a pretty good sized building. It wasn't. It wasn't any small thing. And if you could go there today and see the foundation area of it, it would really give you some uh, appreciation for the size of it and all. Of course, uh, where the temple area is, there's a Muslim mosque now. But he said, out of all of this, there's not going to be one 
stone left upon another. And that happened in 70 A.D. Verse 3, And as they sat, and as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, in other words, they had to go out of Jerusalem, going, walking eastward, going through the uh, Kidron Valley, passing the Garden of Gethsemane, supposedly, and then going up on the Mount of Olives. I don't know whether uh, y'all remember or not, but when I showed the slides, I, I was standing on the Mount of Olives and gave a panoramic view of Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives. It was uh, somewhere around uh, 2,000 feet or a little bit more or less, uh, from Bethany to Jerusalem was a Sabbath day's journey, which was 2,000 steps. or uh, Yeah, 2,000 steps, not feet. Uh, anyway, they walked out of Jerusalem, and when they got over there to the Mount of Olives, they were evidently uh, somewhere where they were sitting or Something in he, uh, the disciples said, and we know from another place, it was Peter that asked the question. I think it was Peter and John. But he said, tell us when shall these things be? What do you mean these things? When one stone shall not be left on another. Tell us when that's going to happen. And what shall be the sign of thy coming? The word coming is our word that we're looking at. What's the, what's the sign of your coming? And the end of the world. In other words, there's three questions that Jesus answered taking up in verse 4 and going through chapter 25 and to the end. He answers those three questions. He answers them in such a way that sometimes it is difficult to know uh, is He talking about the destruction of Jerusalem or is He talking about when He comes back the second time? We have to admit that there is some uh, some uh, uh, goings on like that. I seem to believe that at the beginning of this, he kindly answers the questions. Uh, all three together. In other words, all of this is going to be going on in the midst of all of this. I think he's doing that kindly at the first. But I believe there are some things that it's obvious is talking about when the Lord Jesus Christ comes back to this earth bodily.
in order to try to be as fair as I know how, let's just go ahead and keep reading. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Obviously, to me, the end is not yet would be what is the uh, was the sign of the end of the world, because that's one of the questions. In other words, uh, when shall these things be? Is one question. That is, when is one stone not going to be left on another? What is the sign of thy coming? And what is the sign of the end of the world? Well, he said a lot of the, a lot of things going to be happening, but the end is not yet. What end? The end that they ask about, the end of the world. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in diverse places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted, and shall kill you, and you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. You see, the fact that this nation is more and more uh, antagonistic to Christianity should not surprise you. All nations have been antagonistic against Christianity uh, pretty much throughout history. We've been living in a, a, a mighty soft time, and I'm thankful for it. We've had great blessings in my lifetime and so on. Verse 10, And then shall many be offended, and shall betray one another, and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise, and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. Now, I think there he's just kind of answering all three questions generally. When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet stand in the holy place, whosoever readeth, let him understand, then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. I think now he's talking about the destruction of Jerusalem. In other words, if we had time, we would go back to Daniel and study Daniel when he talked about the destruction of Jerusalem and when the prince would come and destroy the holy city and so on. And, and so our Lord said, when you see what Daniel prophesied of, get out of the city. Get out of Judah. Get, get out in... in, in and uh, history tells us that all the Christians that were in Jerusalem 
got out before the, the city was destroyed. Not one Christian was destroyed in the city in 70 A.D. Let him which is on the mountain, uh, excuse me, let him which is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house, neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes. Woe unto them that are with child, and to them that give suck in those days. Why does he say that? Because it would be hard for a nursing woman to try to run for her life to take and to hide out in the wilderness and to get food for herself and for her child. You know, pray that you're you're not in that shape. Pray that you don't have children. Pray that you're just having to take care of yourself. For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. Now, I do not believe verse 21 is simply talking about the destruction of Jerusalem because uh, Jerusalem had been destroyed before in 606 and 585 and uh, B.C. in Babylon, uh, by Babylon. So, <clears throat> in other words, he's kindly making a transition And except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved, but for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. Then if any man shall say unto you, Lo, here is Christ, or there, believe it not. For there shall arise false Christ and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Here he's talking about the elect from the world. He's not talking about the Jews from the rest of the world. He's not talking about 70 A.D. here. He's talking about something beyond 70 A.D. Behold, I have told you before, wherefore if they shall say unto you, Behold, he is in the desert, go not forth. Behold, he is in the secret chambers, believe it not. For as the lightning cometh out of the east, and shineth even unto the west, even so shall the, here's that word again, coming of the Son of Man be. In other words, when the Lord Jesus Christ comes back, you're going to know it. The whole world's going to know it. Because he's not, he's not going to come in the desert. He's not going to come in secret places. He's not going to have a secret rapture. When the lightning lightens up the sky, you see it from the east to the west. It may not be very long, but you see. And just as the lightning... Just as when it lightens in the sky, you know it. You don't have to say, hey, did it lighten? When the Lord comes back, you'll know it. You don't have to worry about a secret rapture. You don't have to worry about 
Well, the Lord came back and left some of us here and we didn't know about it. That's not going to happen. It's going to be visible. It's going to be manifest. And there won't be any second guesses. For wheresoever the carcass is, there will the eagles be gathered together. In other words, uh, you're trying to find a carcass. Well, just watch for the eagles. You'll find it. Let's put it in modern vernacular. Where Where are the buzzards circling? There's where you're going to find the carcass. You, the buzzards will find it before you do. The carrion. I, I was raised on a farm, and when we saw uh, two or three buzzards circling around, we needed to start go looking because something was dead somewhere. Verse 29. Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened and the moon shall not give her light and the stars shall fall from heaven and the powers of heaven shall be shaken. Now some people say, well, that, that's not literal. That's just not going to happen. Well, I, I, I can't say that. Is all this other stuff literal? False prophets? Is that literal? Kingdoms against kingdoms? Is that literal? Wars and rumors of wars? Is that literal? The elect? Is that literal? Why should we say, well, this other, that, that's just not going to happen? I don't know that it's not going to happen. Some say, well, no, that's just figurative language, that descriptive of judgment coming. Well, whatever it's, we find. Immediately after the uh, verse 30, and then, and then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. What was one of the questions? What shall be the sign of thy coming? That's it back in verse 3. After the tribulation of those days and the heavens be shaken up, then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, not just the Jews in Jerusalem in 70 A.D., all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Now don't get excited because the word coming there in verse 30 is not our word. Probably Erechimai. But I didn't stop to look that one up. 
Now learn a parable of the fig tree. No, I, I, I need to read verse 31. And he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. Didn't say he's going to gather the Jews into, uh, into Jerusalem, did he? Talking about the elect. One elect. That elect that he talked about in verse 24. In verse 22, that elect that Paul talked about that was chosen in Christ Jesus before the world began. The sheep, the believer, his angels are we going to see those angels? Or are they going to come secretly? I believe we're going to see them. I don't think this is anything that took place in 70 A.D. Verse 32, Now learn a parable of the fig tree. Now he's given the parable. He's telling this is a parable. He didn't say the other was. When his branch is yet tender and putteth forth leaves, you know that summer is nigh. So likewise, when ye shall see all these things, know that it is near at hand, it is near even at hand. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. Now, some have built a whole theology or a whole doctrine of eschatology around that one verse. And they say, see, it said, all that that took is to take place in that generation then. Well, I agree that verse 34 is not an easy verse to translate. But remember what we've said about other verses, about other subjects. You don't translate the difficult uh, you don't translate the clear with the unclear. You translate the unclear by the clear. And when you study out all the other verses that have to do with the coming of Christ, then you have to put this one in its place. But I'm not going to try to tackle that now. We're just trying to look at the overall picture of this word coming. But of that day, verse 36, and hour knoweth no man, know not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the, here's the word again, coming of the Son of Man be. Talking about the sign of the coming of the Son of Man. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the, there it is, coming of the Son of Man be. The coming of the Son of Man be. 
In other words, what's the sign of the coming of the Son of Man? The sign of the coming of the Son of Man is going to be when He comes. People are trying to figure out when Christ is going to come back. We had people. Some we had a, a minister, a so-called minister, a few years ago, well-known minister, radio minister, that predicted that Christ was coming back in, in a couple of years, and a lot of his followers sold their houses and uh, got ready for the coming, and so on and so forth. Well, it didn't happen. You remember what Paul wrote to the Thessalonians? He said, You don't need me to write unto you, for you know that the Lord cometh as a thief in the night. He's not going to come announced. When He comes... He'll be here. He'll be here. Nine eleven. I had just started working for Whirlpool. about a week or two before that. We got the announcement. A lot of us got into the training room to look on the television to see the planes flying into the towers. I was 35 miles away from home. My immediate my immediate reaction was I wanted to be home to protect my family. My wife at that time called, wanted me home. I said, I can't come. They've got the roads closed. Here at Oak Ridge, they didn't know what, maybe there's going to be some uh, uh, attack on the lab here, because you know this is where the atomic bomb was made, and have nuclear reactors here and things going on. So you couldn't, you couldn't drive through Oak Ridge. You couldn't get home. Well, I tell you what, coming of the Lord is going to be more drastic than that. It's going to be more drastic than that. It's going to be unexpected, unexpected, unannounced, but you'll know it. When the Lord comes, you'll know it. You'll know it. This is this word coming. All right. Next, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I can see this is going to be a 
two sermons. Because we're not going to get through this morning. 1 Corinthians 15. We're just looking at the word coming. And how God uses this word. And the only time, let me say this, the only time that is questioned as to what it means is when some people are trying to fit it into their eschatological framework. Eschatology is the study of the coming of Christ. All right, 1 Corinthians 15. This is the chapter about what? You should always know this, the resurrection. The resurrection. For time's sake, I'm not going to read a whole lot of verses, but I'll start at verse 20. But now is Christ risen from the dead. Let me ask this. Is that literal? Did the physical body of Christ rise from the dead? Yes. Is the physical body of Christ with God in heaven? Yes. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the firstfruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die. That's the man that came death. Even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Now notice. But every man in his own order. Christ, the first fruit. That's already happened. Afterward, that's already, this afterward has already been over 2,000 years. They that are Christ, the elect, at his coming. There's the word again. So that's not 70 AD, is it? That's when Christ who arose from the dead in a human body, is going to come back to the earth in a human body. You remember in Acts chapter 2, or Acts chapter 1, when Christ ascended back into heaven, what did the angel say? This same Jesus shall so come again in like manner. He went away bodily, He's coming back bodily. He went away in the clouds. He's coming back in the clouds. He left the Mount of Olives, and I believe according to Zechariah, He's coming back to the Mount of Olives. This same Jesus shall so come again. And by the way, if you go over there and take one of their Holy Land tours, they'll take you to the Mount of Olives. And they'll show you a little rock there that's got a little indention. And they'll say, that's where Christ's footprint was when He left. (laughs) 
Alright? Every man's going to be resurrected in his own order. Christ first. Then, afterward, they that are at His coming. After the first fruits, those that are Christ at His coming. Who's going to rise first when the Lord returns? The righteous, the just. Then cometh the end when He shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when He shall have put down all rule and all authority and power, for He must reign till He hath put all enemies under His feet. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. You remember in Revelation, death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. Where the beast and the false prophet and all the non-elect were cast. But the word coming there, they that are Christ at his coming. That's that was a visible, that's a visible, physical coming of Christ. It's not some coming in judgment, though He will judge when He comes back. Alright, we're going to get a little bit more specific. In the 16th chapter of 1 Corinthians, look at verse 17. Paul said, I am glad of the coming of Stephanus and Fortunatus and Achaicus, for that which was lacking on your part, they have supplied. Did those three people come to Paul in spirit? Or did they literally, literally go to Paul? They went to Paul in their bodies. In other words, the word coming there is the same word talking about the coming of Christ. It's not a spiritual coming. It's a real coming. We came here today. We didn't come in spirit. We came in a body. We drove in a vehicle. Physical. Literal. Well, let's stop there. We'll take up at second in go into second Corinthians this afternoon. But I want you to see how this word coming is used. Unless you're talking about eschatology, unless you're talking about the second coming of Christ, there's no question what this word means. You don't say, well, it, it's just Him coming in judgment in 70 A.D. Or it's God coming to us mystically or spiritually as He comes to us when we're reading His Word or, or something of that nature. No, it's a physical, 
literal, literal, physical, literal, bodily presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Or somebody else, such as Stephanus, Fortunatus, and Nicaicus. That was real people. Real people. You say, well, those are funny names. Well, they're funny to us, but it wasn't funny to them. They probably get a kick out of just a short name like Bob. All right, let's pray. Our gracious Father, we do come before you and keep us from going beyond what the Word says. And if it doesn't make sense to us, when talking about the future, let us simply say, we don't know, go on. A lot of things in the Scriptures we don't know about. Man's been trying to figure out where he came from. We know where we came from. God created us out of nothing. Well, how can that be? Because God did it. Help us to love you, to serve you, but help us to abide in you that we may have confidence and not be ashamed when our Lord returns. In Jesus' name, Amen.